I am unashamed. What about you? So uh, I've moved locations. The last podcast from my end was a disaster. I apologize to the audience. I went to Peninsula thinking I was going to find a nice little quiet alcove, and it turned into some kind of Christmas party or something. I don't know what happened, but we had a lot of lot of noise on my end. So, so Jace, you'll be you'll be happy. So I thought, where can I go? Because my house is still. I woke up this morning. It's jackhammers and concrete saws. Literally, my house is vibrating. So I thought. Last night, I was like, man, I got to go somewhere. So someone, my, one of my neighbors said, you need to find a church building because it's always quiet there. And then I thought, man, part of that made me sad. <laughs> and then part, part of it made me glad because I thought, where do we want to go? That's the most quiet place on the planet. How about a church building? So the good folks at uh, First Baptist Gulf Shores have given me a room. So it is much quieter. Maybe we'll have a decent well, discussion. Because I got an idea. Let's take one of the most hard to understand principles in the Bible and have a discussion. <laughs> but while we're having the discussion, let's put a party in the background in your ear. Because the way the sound works, if you weren't talking, they can they can remove that. Yeah, they can but they can they can edit it out on, on your side, right? But it was always in my ear. And so I'm like I was I was almost getting angry at the crowd because I know they and it wasn't their fault. They were yeah, they, they were even, just having a good time. They didn't even know this was going on. <laughs> no, it, it they reminds didn't. me of that uh, that Jerry Clower story. You know, I like Jerry Clower because he's a storyteller. And uh, now that I brought this up, I'm gonna have to remember how this story went. But it was something about. So you Jerry Clower fans, if I, I mess this up, I'll, gi- I'll give you the nuts and bolts of it. They were having a problem at the church, and one of the leaders now, not just a member, was sleeping during the service. And it was a distraction that was bothering the preacher because, you know, when an older person sleeps, like I do during duck season, you snore. Nobody's listening to the preacher because they're all giggling over this guy snoring. So the preacher came up with a plan. He said, well, I'm going to shut this down. So what he did was, as soon as he saw the the leader go to sleep and start snoring, he come up with an illustration, and he raised his voice, and he's like, I'm telling you right now, heaven is where we're headed, and if, if you want to go to heaven, stand up. Well, everybody stood up. Except the old boy, probably name was Marcel. I don't know. Marcel, he was probably Marcel Ledbetter yeah. from Yazoo City. Marcel is sleeping through that. So now it's you know his plan is backfiring on him because now everybody's noticing that Marcel evidently don't want to go to heaven, <laughs> and so that made the preacher mad. So he's like, "No, sit down." He said, "I'll let me let me put it to you another way," and he just with everything he got. He's like, if you want to go to hell, stand up. And so all he heard, Marcel heard hell, and then he heard stand up, and it, you know, it shook him. So he stood up. And he's like, the preacher looks at him. Now he's the only one standing. And he's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I don't know, but me and you are the only ones standing. 
That's my, that's my old foggy church story for the day, courtesy. That's actually of, pretty funny. Well, you did a pretty good job on it. Well, thank you. I used to love Jerry Clower's stories. Oh, I, I absolutely love. I mean, they're yeah, not. They still got them around. They're not designed really to be funny. I, I actually think they're just real stories. Because some of them, you're just he just tells a story, and you're like. Well, that wasn't that funny, but it was the way he, you know, ha, ah, oh, yeah, all that. Yeah. He had <laughs> that, mis- that Mississippi wing. Yeah. And he That's gave right. the details, which it sounded like real stories. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why I even told that, but I was, when you were talking about an old church being quiet, I guess it popped into my head, <laughs> you know. Well, when you were telling the story, I was thinking about dad's dad, Paul, because he famously would close his eyes during every sermon when we used to go to a little church out there in Luna. I don't know if you remember that. Y'all remember this. And so afterwards we, you know, cause we were looking at him, we were thought, well, he's sleeping, but I, I started asking him questions, but he would always know every point. And I, finally I asked him, I said, Paul, I mean, it looks like you're sleeping. He said, Oh no, son, I'm just resting my eyes. That's what he said, but he, but he, but he always knew stuff the preacher said. So I guess he, I guess he just liked listening with his eyes closed. Well, I, I think that's why young people get upset is because they're like, if they cut up, you know, they get thumped or you know whatever means necessary Pop on the head. be decent yeah. and in order. And then meanwhile, they're looking over and half the older people are asleep, and they're like, you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> <laughs> So that's what Kella says Sunday. He was preaching. He was actually preaching this text that we're in in 24 and 25. And uh, he said, he said something about falling asleep. He said, I, hey, I ain't going to hold it against you. I've fallen asleep in my own sermons a couple of times. Well, I've been up there was... speaking before at, at that church and seen people sleeping. And so I try yeah. to raise my voice. You know, now it's bothering me. Now I've got a distraction like the crowd in my ear. <laughs> Now I'm like, no, what is wrong with this person? I mean, am I that boring? (laughs) But I I have to admit, I felt kind of like the Jerry Clower story. I was like, I mean, you come up here and sleep? I mean, we're trying to go to heaven. I'm trying to whip you up. I mean, it's like, I don't think it matters what you were going to say. I try to keep my whatever I'm going to say to a not long, 15, 20 minutes. But, well, Phil, I've seen you go longer than that, though. Well, I have, but I, I try. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I oh, just yeah. noticed that the longer you go, the sleepier they get. It's just human nature. Somebody said the, the attention span of a an American citizen, you know, is eight minutes, seven, eight minutes. Then they're on the they're on to the next on the computer <laughs> i do agree they get a, they get a glance of a lot of things and a little tidbits of information isn't up they're moving quickly and they're out sitting there zoned in on something very long most of them i have noticed that people now they're like if they have their phone they have to check it like in less than a minute you're in a conversation and they're it, they've done it so much that even they don't realize they're doing it now. You're having a conversation with them, and they're looking at their phone. It's not going off, but it's like now, it's it, it's a tick. Yeah. They 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 look 
I can't it. help. I must look that that's, nothing's happening, but right. I look so much that. Yeah, but that you're right, Jazz. That's just habitual. Because you know what's weird is the format by which we're uh, speaking today by podcast is just the opposite. I mean, in fact, when uh, when we first started this podcast, they said you guys need to go, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. And all of us who are used to speaking, you know, to audiences, we thought, oh, no way. I mean, you know, we were trained by the Carl Allison method. If you hadn't struck oil in 20 minutes, quit boring, yep. you know. And so we were all like, this won't work. But but we, I was wrong. We were all wrong because people have no problem listening to a 45-minute hour. I mean, the, the, the Just Thinking guys who we had on the podcast, those two guys, they go two hours, two and mm. a half on their podcast. They're one of the top Christian podcasts in the world. So something about this format of just discussion, and I mean, obviously our content is great because it's the Bible, but this seems to hold people's attention. You know, I don't know. It's because they're working. They're on the road. Yeah, I think it's on the road. Like Missy listens to this. Every time she travels, she's she's like, oh, it's the best ever. I just put the podcast on. It just it just runs like a series. So she's distracted which I don't know it's good being distracted. I mean, I remember one time I was talking on my phone. We're a happy distraction. And I was bumbling, fumbling around, and it fell in between the console and my seat. So I'm driving, and I'm talking to somebody, but it's on Bluetooth, I guess, where it's coming through my – you know, I'm talking. I'm not sure where their speaker's at, but they're they're on the – like where the sound system is, it's coming out of there. So I reached down to try to get my phone and my hand got stuck. And so then while I'm talking on the phone and driving now with my other hand, now I'm driving with my knee, I'm pushing the seat to try to get my phone from out from under the seat. But when I pushed it the wrong way, well, now it's hurting my hand. So I had a crowd pain. <laughs> and I'm, I'll say, I call, I'll call you back. I had to pull over on the side of the road. And I thought, I'm spending too much time on my phone. I mean, this, this, is, this is stupid. I'm not doing this anymore. So now they have this feature, you know, on the phone where you can, if you're driving, you can just put it on Do Not Disturb. So that, Jace, that, you're lucky to be alive. You were describing that scene from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles when John Candy got his coat hung on each side of the of the car seat trying to adjust it. Then he was driving with his legs, and he gets, spins around the wrong way and goes on interstate the wrong way yeah. <laughs> and, and winds up going in between two trucks. That That's where you were headed. If you hadn't pulled over, you well, were going to wind up going that, in the wrong. Maybe, which I remember that, was he was in denial. I mean, I realized I had a problem. I was just sitting there, you know, sweat's pouring <laughs> off my head. I've disconnected the phone. But remember, he was like, then people were passing him, and they're like, hey, you're going the wrong way. And he's like, and he eh? said, how do they know which way we're going? <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was doing the, uh, hey, don't drink and drive. Uh, <laughs> I, I just watched that movie. It's the, it's one of the only Thanksgiving based movies. So now they got one of the stations plays it 24 seven on Thanksgiving. So I just watched it the other day, but, but word to the wise, watch it on the cleanup version. Don't watch it on the regular version. Yeah, the TV version. Yeah. Yeah, TV version. Yeah, I heard there were some 
mischievous activity. Well, there's one scene where this guy says the F word like 20. It's so annoying. If you cut out that one scene, it's a PG movie. But yeah. I don't know. Why they do just they, decided why do they, to go for Why it. do they do that? It's it's almost like by design. It's like they'll do yeah. a PG-13 movie. So, I'll, you know, back in the day, I'd take my 12-year-old, and then they have one moment of the movie that's like the line of the movie, and they drop one F word right there. But I'm like, well, that was enough for me to be angry. Just you went the whole movie without that, and then you had to have it. It's like one or two times under the PG thirteen bracket. Have you well, ever this noticed movie that? Was, have you ever noticed that? Yeah. Uh, if it's PG thirteen, that means there's two f words in it, or one, one or two. That's right. But it's a, like a profound moment, and I'm like, it's almost like they're trying to lure you in for a clean movie, but then they want to plant the seed in the young 12 year old and so we have because what are they thinking when that happens well it's the same group of individuals who when we filmed duck dynasty they put bleeps in <clears throat> as if we were using the f word which we well, were not well yeah for any kind of profanity <laughs> and i'm like well I, what kind, I, of, I, I what kind of mind what kind of mind says Let's make it look like they're using profanity because it's it's evident that these people don't use well, profanity. In, in their defense, though, Dad, so many reality shows do have profanity. They mm -hmm. thought it, ours was going to be weird if we didn't at least sound like the rest of them. Yeah, that's so the, they were Phil, thinking we were, they were normalizing. That's, I, that's a definition of a yeah. depraved mind you just gave. Phil, we were so naive. Well, exactly we were that. naive. Oh, yeah, I remember seeing the first cut of that because they would let us watch it before it was released. And I was like, the first time, they it was Corey, and they, they beeped Corey. And I thought. Yeah, she was the first one. That's right. You know, I've known Corey since she was a little kid. I've never heard her say a cuss word in my life. I mean, I've been around her enough to know where if she ever said yeah. a cuss word, I would remember it. And I thought, she waited? Because they convinced me. I thought, she waited till national TV? But then about two scenes later, they did it again. And I was like, now, wait a minute. <laughs> One, on a moment of insanity, she got nervous with the camera. <laughs> but now she did it again? I said, why would they? I, I think they're making welcome this up. To, welcome to Hollywood. So look, Phil, I don't know if you knew this. Hey, Jays. Hey, Jays. Yeah. Jays, let's take a break. Well, one thing's for sure, whether it's the holidays or not, gun sales are up. People are buying guns. They're not sure about the future. They're not sure about some of the different political things that have attacked police and different things like that. So people are arming themselves. Of course, one of the problems you have is being able to find enough ammo uh, for all the guns that are being bought. And you want to have ammo to be able to not only be proficient, but also, of course, to be armed. So one of our sponsors... Uh, that's been with us for a pretty long time is a, is a group called iTarget Pro. And what they do is they help you be able to get proficient with your weapon without necessarily having to use ammo because you have to conserve that because there's not a lot of it out there. Uh, so you don't have to go to the range. You don't have to go and try to find ammunition. Uh, it's all done through your phone. You have a laser bullet. You got a target. It's going to tell you whether you're hitting your target or not. It's going to help you with your muscle memory, your speed, your sight alignment, your trigger function, all these things. And they come in all the major calibers, uh, including 223 for your AR. So 
Check these guys out. I, the letter I, targetpro.com. Save 10%, plus you get free shipping when you use the offer code FILL. It was the smartest way to practice. Get it coming to you. It's a great holiday item. iTargetPro.com. That's I, the letter I, TargetPro.com. Use the offer code Phil. So I sent this scathing email. Of course, I don't even know who sent this, but I did to all above. I just sent a scathing email about what are you doing? That you're because i had no idea i was like somebody in the editing room has bleep stuff that didn't need to be bleep because whatever she said and so the response i got back was those were inserted for dramatic purposes thank you have a nice day <laughs> dramatic purposes yeah yeah i thought oh they did that they did that on yeah, purpose. It's all about drama when you start yeah. using. Fifth you know, they language. actually ran the episode when it first. Yeah, came because out. I was they, watching it. They ran. Well, I was they later it at the fi- premiere. They later fixed it. You know, at right. some point they they went back. We were all it. together, and I was sitting next to Corey Jason. I looked over at Corey, and I was like, "What did you say?" And she said, oh, I didn't say anything. They just did that. And then it beeps her again. And I was like, you are a potty mouth. I was mm-hmm. like, how are we going to do this show with you? I mean, I had a good time just oh, like, brought, riding Corey. Well, I into went them. over to their house and brought a bar of soap. I was like, hey. <laughs> she was like, what? What? She didn't get it. I was like, I mean, you need we your, converted, your mouth We converted up. the sound man, the one who had the computer on, on in his lap, you know, with a strap. The one that mic'd us up and everything, we we converted him because of that. He came to me and says, "What's yeah, it, from what's another it, show? What's this no 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 cursing? What, yeah. what, what's that all about?" He said, "Because the film crew is using the most vile language on planet Earth." But so far, he said, "I'm I mic y'all up. I don't hear anybody using any profanity." Well, what I never been that seen that, never heard that. So I explained to him why we didn't use profanity. Yeah. And now he is a member of the kingdom of God. Well documented story. All right. Well, look, Al. Now, last, we could not have had any more distractions than we had last time in doing a podcast. So I thought about this, and I would like to try to attempt to lay something out on what we were trying to do last podcast. Because Matthew 23, the end of 23, 24. 25 is is a difficult or i don't say difficult but it's a much talked about passage most people think that jesus jumped to his final coming in this section would you agree with that yeah so what we were what we were talking about last time is in the context of what's going down here He's constantly bringing up that the kingdom is at hand, the kingdom is near. John the Baptist said it. Jesus said it. Matthew 3, Matthew 4, it's near. He had had this. The apostles, this, the, the, the disciples were saying it. They, they were. And then, Matthew 10. And then you kind of get to Matthew 16 in this pivotal moment where Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And he's like, on that rock, I'm going to build my church. 
and I'm going to give you the keys, talking to Peter, of the kingdom of heaven. Yep. So then he he has the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, and he just gives this, in Matthew 23, just this withering barrage of putting the ritualistic and the elevating the old law above the heart and and what he's bringing. As, and he's voiced about five times that that's exactly where he's going to go and be betrayed by the teachers of the law and the Pharisees and the chief priests. Right. That they're going to kill him, and then three days later he's going to rise from the dead. He said that about four or five times during this. So what we proposed last podcast was based on chapter 23 in verse 37. He says, you know, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent to you, how often I have longed to gather you. I, you know, I read that. And in verse 38 it says, your house is left to you desolate, for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Well, Jesus left the temple. He's walking away in chapter 24. And to call, uh, let's see, and his disciples came up to him to call his attention to the buildings. And so then Jesus says, you see all these things, not one stone, I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. And so then the disciples, you know, that, that bothered him. Because you think if you were in that situation, I mean, I've been to Jerusalem, I've been to Israel. If this moment would have happened, I would have, and the guide would have said, hey, you see all this? Especially here in the, the centerpiece of this nation, not one stone would be left on top of another. And he's already proven himself that he has the power over nature. He has the power over physical ailments. I mean, he's he's transfigured himself in front of him. So they, they've concluded he has supernatural powers. And now he's saying this place is fixed to be desolate. So they're like, what? Tell us some more about that. And so he gets into this almost apocalyptic type speech. They basically and, said, when will this happen? Right. And so he answers and how will that. We know? And how will we know? But he answers that in a profound statement in verse 34 when he says, I tell you the truth, that this generation will certainly not pass away until you see these things happen. Earth, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Well, now all of a sudden, it's gotten personal because they're like, this is imminent. <clears throat> I mean, this this is going to happen in our, our lifetime here. Yep. So what I thought would be helpful as I thought about this, and I'm going to do this quick. Y'all can jump in because you know what, where I'm going with this in the book of Daniel. So you, you say when all this talk about the kingdom, if you go back to the book of Daniel, now we're going back, I don't know how many hundreds of years. Al, you're about the, 700. 700 years. You know, Daniel, who was a man who had dreams, and he prophesied, and he foreshadowed via supernatural in, in his <clears throat> dreams 
things that would happen that did happen. And he put and, a, a timeline on the kingdom of God coming. That's where I was going to read first. Yep. So, so I just think, no, look, I'm not, I think what you can do if you're listening is read the whole book of Daniel and say, oh, but I'm just going to take a few bits out of it and, and just see if this adds up to what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 23 and 24. So this is Daniel 2, 44. It says, In the time of those kings, God, the God of heaven, will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. So now if you go back to the time of those kings, there's a dream that he had in the previous verses, and what were the kingdoms that would come after this? I mean, it, these represent... You got the head of gold. That was Nebuchadnezzar at the time Daniel was t talking to him. Mm -hmm. then they, the were in, they were in captivity in Babylonia under yep. Nebuchadnezzar. He was the yep. first one. Then what yep. was next? The next one was uh, the Medo-Persians. Medo-Persian. Now you can yep. look... Now did that happen in history? Uh, you Maybe get in your, okay, years after so who was the, All right, then who was the next one? The the Greeks, the Greeks. Alexander the Greeks, uh, yep. the, the Great. That was about, yeah, that was more than about 300 BC. That's that right. era, so they did were. Did that happen? Yes, it happened. happened. Yep. So then, what was next? Romans. And, well, the and Romans. Then the Romans. Well, now who's in charge? And Matthew, Caesar Augustus. Probably okay, be so the we got. To, so you can go do the research on that. That's Luke. Hang two. on, Jace. Let's take a break. I know you and I know this, uh, but you know, even an okay score can cost you a hundred grand over the life of a 30 year home loan. If you want to have a good high credit score uh, to be able to save some money over the long, cause you get that lower interest rate, which is what you want. And so that's why you should use one of our sponsors called ScoreMaster before you apply for any loan. ScoreMaster can take your credit score from okay to great, but the best news is they can do it quickly. The average user adds 61 points in 20 days or less. 61 points in 20 days or less. You and I both used it. We both added points to our score. We both saved money uh, on, a, on a home loan. So check these guys out. It's scoremaster.com slash fill. That's scoremaster.com slash fill. Um, you're going to go there. It just takes a few minutes for you to enroll. You're going to be able to see your points, get more points, and you're going to be able to qualify for the lowest loan interest rates. That's what you want. Scoremaster.com slash fill. Check them out today. Luke 2, Caesar Augustus, he served about 18 <laughs> years, and then there was Tiberius. Those were the two emperors that, that was rude. Pretty Jesus good. Was that was there. pretty good off the top of your head, Phil. All right. So, so then, <laughs> but now back to Daniel two forty four. Because trust me, that was off the top of his head. He will crush all. It will crush this kingdom that's going to be set up. Yep. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end. But it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of this vision. You know that he saw. You can read when he had the dream. So all of a sudden we have an eternal kingdom being predicted that would crush all of the kingdoms. And Jesus comes on the scene after John the Baptist. And, and, and when it would be the fourth one from Nebuchadnezzar, he's Rome, talking to Rome is in charge. And all yep. of a sudden you start, the kingdom starts popping up and Jesus is like, the kingdom is near. So 
in Daniel 7, verse 14, or th- I'll read 13. He has another vision. And it says, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that would, will never be destroyed. So now, who do you think he's talking about? I mean, duh. <laughs> All right. He's talking about the king, Jesus. Yeah. Right? So if we all agree on Daniel 2, the actual kingdom that would be in the time of the Romans, and that linking up with John the Baptist and Jesus, and we all agree in Daniel 7, 13, 14, there's no doubt that he's talking about Jesus when he when he comes. Mark, Mark chapter 1 Verse 1, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Verse 14, then you can go on. He said, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Great. So we think that's what Daniel was referring to 700 years ago. Would you agree? Well, now let me read chapter 9. And I think 9 of Daniel will help us understand what we're putting forth what we think Daniel 23, I mean, Matthew 23 and 24 are talking about. And I'm just going to give you the nuts and bolts. But in chapter 9 and verse 2, Daniel, he understood from the scriptures according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah. Well, he had been reading Jeremiah, and he says a prayer that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. Now, we're going to get into some of this symbolic, apocalyptic speech all throughout this chapter, but I just want to make a point that in verse 9 and 7, he brings up the people of Jerusalem and all Israel. In verse 12, he says, the second part of 12, under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. So all of a sudden... He's having this vision about what's going to happen to Jerusalem. Verse 16, O Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, turn your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and the iniquities of our fathers have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all those around us. All, all of a sudden, he's, it's like there's something that's going to happen here. Then in verse 17, he says, for your sake, O Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Verse 21, while he was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man he had seen in the earlier vision that that we read, uh, came to me in a swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. So going on from there, if you look in verse 26, this is where I wanted to get to, the second sentence. It says, the people of the, of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end, and desolations have been decreed. He will confirm a covenant with many for one 
7 in, now there's a whole deal about 7 and 70 and 70 times 7 in amongst this whole prayer and vision. And you say, well, what does all that mean? Well, usually 7 was was a number of completion, right, Al? Completion, or yeah. Perfection. Or, and the 70 yeah. times 7 seems ironic, which is Jesus would later say that's how, what, how you should uh, forgive I mean, he used the same kind of symbolic language. You remember when Peter said, well, how many times should I forgive? Mm -hmm. So he gets down to this last verse of chapter 9, and this is what I wanted to get to. And on a wing of the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured on him. So where have you heard that phrase before? The abomination that causes desolation. You hear it. You heard it from old Matthew. Matthew, where is that in the? I didn't. I didn't make a notation of where that is. Uh, it's in the middle part there. It's in the middle part of chapter. Oh, there 24. it is. In fifteen of Matthew twenty-four, it says, "So when you are standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of. Look at here." Through the prophet Daniel. Let the reader understand. So that's why I went back to Daniel and I read that. Well, there's no doubt in my mind that in Daniel chapter 9, he brought up Jerusalem and what was going to happen there in the sanctuary over and over and over again. And so then when you go through history, just like you did with the different kingdoms, yep. you see this this moment happened that started in AD 66 where a war breaks out under Roman control. And there's this massive casualty from the Jewish nation. I mean, look, all of the, the, the streets, the flood that he was talking about was blood yeah. flowing <laughs> through the streets. And all of the people outside of the Bible, like Josephus, the historians, who wrote about that event, it's plain for everyone to read, whoever wants to. You 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 looked it up, didn't you? Yeah, I read it. And yeah. I mean look, it's it's horrific. It, it's rated R on what happened. Millions, to, millions to died. To, millions. I think it was over a million. I there wasn't that many people back then just on the planet. Yeah. But I read somewhere I think it was one point two million estimated. Died. So yeah, died. And we're talking temple burned to the ground, not one stone left on the other because of the gold and the cracks. And so you think, well, why are y'all making such a big deal about this? People because may not understand. They don't understand when you said gold in the crack, when the, they set it on fire, well, they did, they weren't supposed to, but they did. But that gold that was in the temple melted down and got in the between the crack. That's why they they were taking off slab of brick by slab of brick to get that gold. Yeah, I was going to say let's take a break. Hey guys, we like to try to keep you uh, aware of some of the things that uh, we're doing outside of Unashamed. And one of those is uh, we mentioned Phil is going to Substack, which is kind of uh, humorous to me because Substack was started by some uh, writers from the New York Times that got tired of having their stuff censored. And then a lot of other people, conservatives, liberals, it doesn't matter. People that don't want to be canceled are going to Substack. So we want to encourage you guys to check that out at philrobertson.substack.com. 
if you subscribe, you're going to get notified about things that are on Substack. One of those is the first chapter of Uncancel, which is there right now. If you want to check that out, there may be future ones on there. So uh, check that out, philroberson.substack.com. Also, wanted to tell you about Talk Shop Live, which we've been talking about. It's the only place where you can get your daily fill to start this new year, which is a hundred day devotional by dad. So the publisher added some more copies. They sold all the other ones out. They have some more. Uh, you can go get them there. You can also have uh, some signed copies available. The link's going to be in the podcast show notes. So check that out. Talk shop live and Substack. One of the things I think that why this is so important, Jason, you've, you've laid it out perfectly is by quickly jumping over this context in 24 and then later in 25 and taking it to the end of time, you're missing a huge point that really the Bible had been pointing to for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of history that this moment had to happen. Everything had led to that. You remember there was a covenant made with David that he would have one of his lineage would have a forever covenant, which was Jesus. And so what happened in the first century by having the completion of this, you know, 80, 70 event is there were 40 years basically for the Jewish people to figure out whether Jesus was the Messiah or not. Once he left, I mean, he had resurrected, people talked about it, the disciples were there, and then there would be this finality, this moment. And I, and I was going to read to you a passage, Hebrews eight thirteen, which the book of Hebrews lays this out beautifully. But he says in verse 13, talking about the old covenant and the new covenant, by calling this covenant new, you know, what Jesus brought, this new kingdom, he has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and aging will soon disappear. And of course, even the Hebrew writer was pointing to this moment this destruction in AD 70. So I think it's important to contextually, not just to, to try to get it right from a biblical perspective, but also to weigh the moment that the New Testament writers were laying out here, how important this was. This was the end of an era. This was the end of a covenant. This was the finality, the blow that was the end, like dad mentioned in the last podcast. So yeah. I think you don't want to miss that by just rushing ahead. And can you make some application to the final coming? Absolutely. But you yeah. cannot miss the moment. I mean, Matthew's led everything up to this point and saying what's about to happen with Jesus on the cross sets all these things in motion. Well, that's what I was going to say. Now, I think there's a danger here. When you put your faith and trust in a, in a building or a setting, or a place of worship instead of the person, the object of our worship, that's a dangerous thing to do. And I think a lot mm -hmm. of reason when I see in our modern culture, you see the same thing. There's, there's little houses every few hundred yards across the planet, and people try to get all this right to believe right and, and become in total ag agreement on how to handle the rules and the rituals and the laws. And, and then all of a sudden it's almost like the same thing that was happening here is happening now. And, and to me, that's, that's why I think when you get this right, he was trying, he was having all these discussions and arguments and disagreements with the teachers of the law and, because they were missing the point. I'm 
I am the salvation. And so a lot of people that I've discussed and argued with and disagreed with about this passage, they always say, well, this is not a salvation issue that we don't agree. You know, they think, well, this is talking about the end of time, and you're saying this is an event that happened in A.D. 70 with with end-of-time implications. Because, look, all those people who died, the 1.2 million, at that moment, that was the end of time for them. So, and I think that's fair to say when you apply these things. You know, a lot of times, you know, once you die, the next thing you know, a second later, in the twinkling of an eye, well, Jesus will be coming back since there's no, you know, time in the afterlife as far as once you die. Would you agree with that assessment? Yeah. So it's like, the implications of all that is true because a lot of people, it makes them uncomfortable when they keep this in context and they read Daniel and they say, oh, he's he's putting forth this event that was fixing to happen. And look, he also, you got to remember in verse 16, after the part I read in 15 about spoken through the prophet Daniel, which I think is the key verse to understanding what he was talking about because you go back and read Daniel and you say, oh, but verse 16, he also said something I think is profound because a lot of people think, well, this is just mean that, and cruel that God would allow this to happen to this nation. But you know what he said here? He said, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Wasn't like he said, get out of here. It's coming. Not only with his prediction of what's fixing to happen, but he's like, go to the mountains. Yep. I mean, so all of those listening, I would have said, get you know, away, I, get I, away from this place. Yeah. If I'm trusting in Jesus in this moment, he, which is now here's why I'm bringing this up. So a lot of people in modern day culture here a couple thousand years later, they're trying to find these mountains that they need to flee to before this event goes down. You see, I mean, how many radical thinking groups are looking for the mountain that he was talking about here, thinking, oh, this hadn't happened because they didn't they miss Daniel. The they missed Jerusalem. And so they're up on a mountain somewhere thinking, boys, it's coming. They're looking at the moon thinking when that thing turns to blood, this is fixed to go down. And we're like, hey, you can be a part of the kingdom of God now on earth. Yep. The kingdom, it yeah, was near then, but it's here. That's why in the last podcast, you were jumping to Acts 2, because you're like, well, the kingdom came. We're a part of it. We're the Holy Spirit of God. We're good. We're we're members of the kingdom here. And Look I quoted Second Corinthians chapter 6. We are the temple of the living God. Mm -hmm. Duh. You think about it. So let's take our last break. You think about it, both of you, the, the biggest issues in the first century church from Jesus left, and so we got the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, leading up to 80, 70. What was the biggest problem, especially b b among Jewish believers? They had a hard time letting go of the old way. That's I mean, correct. they struggled with so many different aspects. of so You read the book of Galatians. They've been there you read 1,500 the years, Al. They were kind of stuck in their ways, if you know what I'm saying. 
until 8070, which then all of a sudden it was decimated and you didn't have near the issues going forward. The church was much more unified from just a Jewish church or a Gentile church to truly the church. So by, by the way, Al, on that point, uh, they never replaced it. Right. They, they, they now there's part of the wall that's left, the, the wailing wall where they go and they put their prayers that's the remains of it. It's down. It was underground at the time, but they, you know, they dug it up enough to where you can go to the the wailing wall to this day. But why, in your opinion, did they never rebuild it? The genealogies, I guess, were all gone. I mean, they was all burned up and destroyed by Titus, the the Roman general. But 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 why why wouldn't they try to resurrect it? Right. I mean, that tells you something right there, right? I mean, just the history of it. In fact, par- part of the holy city is no longer, it's it's under Muslim control. Yep. You know, so it's a, it's a holy city to Muslims as well. So it just goes to show you something was lost. But what was gained is what you see from Messianic Jews, like we are brother Joseph Shulam, who we talked about a few weeks ago. Yep. I mean, he realized that you can maintain your Jewish heritage. That's fine. As long as you embrace the Messiah, yeah. Jesus, yeah. and what he brought to us. Well, so that's the beauty of it. It also you know? makes sense, like when the woman at the well, and, and she was she started talking about where you, were get, where, where you could worship, and Jesus was like, it's not going to be a place. You know, you're going to worship. The true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. Well, he was setting that foundation. Right? This, this place is... <laughs> fixing to be gone yep. you know it, it's and that's the problem with putting your faith and trust in holy places things get torn up they get exploded temporary People, at best you know other entities come in and and run mayhem and steal your loot and if you put your faith and trust in that ritual of the things that i mean when you think about it you're religious people and you got a temple full of gold that's where you're putting your faith and trust. That's why you have so many references. You brought up that Acts 17 last podcast about God, God doesn't live in buildings, but then he goes on to say, you got to remember the God of Lord in heaven and earth. He's not an image made to look like man or gold or stone or Mm-mm. it. That that's temporary. God Almighty's eternal. I wanted to read this in our last couple minutes. So when Paul wrote his letter to the Colossians. He he made reference about in verse 11 and 12. I'll just pick it up in 12. He said, we give thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. And so you think, what kingdom is this talking about? Well, a lot of people, they're like, well, this is the kingdom that will be set up. And we're saying that when... Jesus gave key the keys to the kingdom to Peter and and predicted this mayhem that was going to happen to this the temple in Jerusalem in a future state when Jesus died and was buried and resurrected and poured out the spirit that you brought up last podcast in Acts chapter 2 and Peter preaches God's salvation in Jesus the people repented and they were baptized, and they received God's Spirit, 
they had heard the truth which was jesus so that to go back to the woman in the well reference well they became members of the the kingdom the kingdom had been established on earth the one that would crush all other kingdom i think where people have the problem is they're like but we're not crushing all other kingdoms because we're just people when people look at the sheep the flock of jesus they're not seeing this all-powerful kingdom but what they're failing to realize is is once you get god's spirit you have forgiveness from god so you're in good standing with the creator of the universe but you've now become indestructible yep well wouldn't that make you the greatest kingdom that has ever been on the earth that's what i would think so look i got a newsflash for you when you get to revelation it's the same the, the same thing we're discussing here He's discussing there. Yep. So in the same apocalyptic language, the same references to Daniel and, and to Ezekiel. And the bottom line was, if you're in Jesus, even though they kill you, you're, you win because you're indestructible. So I wanted to read the second part of that Colossians 1 and 12. So then he says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. Well, was he talking? Not in the future. Brought yeah. mean it's he already He was writing him a letter saying he brought you into the kingdom of the Son. He rescued you from the dominion of darkness. Well, now he's talking about that transformation that happens when you come to Christ. So to go back to my Jerry Clower story, I feel like today, and this just popped into my head, so I'm going to say it. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit. But I feel like today people are still saying, the kingdom is near and people are sleeping in the pews. They're like, yeah, we're waiting on it. There's no sense of urgency because we're waiting for this to go down. And then what we're saying is, no, you need to be hollering. The kingdom is here yeah. and you can be a part of it. Yeah. Wake up, quit being asleep at the post. And, because that's where, when we move around because the Holy spirit of God, we're representing, we're brought, into the same kingdom that he was writing to those Colossians in, in modern day. And so when the end does come, that's when you get into first Corinthians 15, when we're handed over to the father, you say the kingdom. Yeah. That, it's just a transaction that happens as eternal beings. And you read that in, what is that? First Corinthians 15, 20 something, read the whole chapter and you'll get it. The, as we close here, one of the points I want I, I meant to do this earlier, Jace, when you were in uh, verse 15 through 21 in Matthew 24, listen to Luke's account of the exact same thing in Luke 21, verse 20. When you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that its desolation is near. Mm -hmm. So Luke goes one step further. It's pretty plain, right? Yeah. Then he says, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, which by the way, your point was great. How do you flee to the mountains in the final coming? That's not going to help you any. And then he says in verse 22, for this is the time of punishment in fulfillment of all that has been written. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty clear that this idea that this was something that was predicted that had to happen, that really was then the launching pad for what we now know is, is the kingdom as it's been growing the last 2,000 years. But this had to happen. 
That's exactly what Matthew's talking about, as well as Luke, as well as Mark. And every one of those points to the same thing. So I, I think next time, as, as we get into the rest of this, there is some application made to the final coming of Jesus. And that's not a bad thing because we do need to be ready. So temple worship is described perfectly, and, I'll, and we can call this a wrap. Uh, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. That just simply means, Al, that they're no longer, you won't have temple worship. We are the temple. <laughs> but it's a That's tough right. concept to grab a hold of. I can understand that. It is. It is. But that's why we keep studying. Yep. Well, that's why when you get to the book of Revelation and you see that same phrase, well, if it meant what it did in Daniel and then it meant what it did in Matthew, what do you think it's meaning in Revelation? I would assume the same thing. And I'll leave you with this one verse. In Revelation 5.10, he gave reference to this verse. You are worthy to take the scroll, speaking of Jesus, which was represented as the Lamb. Because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe, language, and people, and nation. Look, sounds just like Daniel 7.14. Exactly. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. You got it. You can reign on the earth now and then. Yep. I like it. That's a good way to leave it. We'll pick it up next time. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.